0: Good evening. On tonight's episode, is anyone capable of stopping the City juggernaut? Was it all for nothing for Arsenal? What ails Liverpool? Is a corner being turned at Chelsea? This and much more on the Talkie Tagga podcast. Welcome on tonight's overdue episode. We have on the panel Anirudh Krishnan. Radhaji, how are you?
1: Doing well. Good to be back after a after a long couple of weeks.
2: Looking forward to the episode.
0: Yeah. Uh, RK, how are you? Any rants we can expect upcoming?
2: No, it's it's been too long since the since the dropping for for any rants to come out. But let's see. Yeah.
0: And finally, Ashwin, how are you? Recovered from the
3: sentiments of the game recovered from the sentiments of the game and uh, and and covid as well so i'm good to be back yes finally we have you
0: so uh, before we get into the episode uh, we're starting off a new segment called talky points of the episode uh, so what's something that's uh, caught your eye since we last spoke uh, so rk what's your talky point of this episode
2: Yeah, a lot of good finishes this week, but the one that took my breath away was Almiron. I still haven't been able to comprehend how exactly he he did that. He seemed as amazed as we were by that finish. Uh, On a volley, looping into the net out of nowhere. I think that's my favorite uh, talking moment of the week.
1: Yeah, so I had two in my pocket, uh, depending on whether one of the other guys would pick one, I'd go with the other. So I think RK has gone with uh, probably the goal of the weekend, probably the one of the goals of the season so far. But um, one that was a close second, perhaps, is uh, Skamaka's debut goal for uh, West Ham. West Ham, obviously, a team in trouble. We we've, we were questioning Moyes and his uh, how long he'll be on the job, but what an outstanding. Standing goal, um, a half volley or
0: volley from outside the box, uh, bending into the net. And uh, Ashwin, uh, what do you think? Is it Antony's goal for you?
3: Yeah, I mean Antony's goal actually came uh, out of nowhere at a time where I, at a time we had probably lost all hope. Uh, I see, a lo- I saw a lot of United fans actually leaving for the exit even before halftime. So that's how bad it was. But my but my talking uh, talking point for this week. Uh, it'll uh, it take some time to get used to it, by the way, Swagat, so um, is probably the form that uh, Captain Mike Smalling, if, if you remember him, Chris Smalling, he, he is in uh, recall for the England uh, lineup and uh, doing really well for Roma as well. Also got a goal, uh, probably not as good as Anthony, but like uh, secured the win for AS Roma.
0: Okay. Uh, For me, I think uh, it would be the fact that someone wearing a number nine jersey in a blue colored uh, number nine jersey scored in consecutive games. And no, I'm not talking about Haaland, it's Opa Meyang confounding critics and uh, laying to rest for a while the number nine curse at Chelsea. Let's see how that goes in the future, but yeah, slightly positive news coming out of Stamford Bridge. Um, that actually brings me to the first talking point of of the episode. Where I mean, we've all had our talky points, but none of them were Erling Haaland because we've frankly we've gotten used to him scoring every game. We've gotten used to his goals. We've gotten used to his hat tricks. So now he's had a hat trick of hat tricks, and it doesn't seem surprising anymore. Um, he 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 put United to the sword, and he even chipped in with two assists this week, which took its heavy, heavy toll on my fantasy team because I forgot to captain him.
2: Yeah, I was at home for the weekend and I have spent a fair bit of time at home after COVID but I, I think that was the first time my parents saw this side of me where my brother had to explain to them that just stay off him at this time. It was that bad. I, I can't even... like. Uh, like The first half was probably as tormenting if not more than the one at Brentford because... Probably we were expecting something better. So that was out of the blue for us. Uh, It was a very, very passive press which United were uh, putting on City and they were absolutely not making, creating any obstruction for City to get the ball up the pitch, run at the defenders. Dallo got a yellow very early on. And from from then, he was just at the mercy of Grealish who had a pretty outstanding game and just couldn't lay a glove on him uh, out of fear most probably uh, of another booking and but rk that just
0: rk was yeah. this a case of uh, united fearing city before the game had started and that having an impact on their performance to start the game off with obviously once the goals flew in then it was done as a contest but did that end up causing this yeah,
2: it's it's difficult to you know uh, say what whether there was any fear uh, as such because They had just put in good performances against Liverpool and Arsenal. Definitely, there was a lack of belief in there. And I think as a squad, United just need to get used to, you know, working hard, match-in, match-out. And the first sign of trouble, this is a team which still doesn't have the belief to kind of, you know, turn it around. It's we are not able to change the momentum and we just it just go, goes from bad to worse that is the main problem for united
3: uh, i i agree with RK. there i think the um, uh, it wasn't very evident that the team was scared but there was definitely a drop in the energy levels after the brentford game it was widely circulated that we ran 13 kilometers or 13.8 kilometers less than brentford we ran Maybe 21 kilometers less than city this time around. So I hope, uh, uh, I hope Eric Tenhak may makes them run 21 kilometers this time around. But it was uh, like Ark mentioned. It was very clear after Dalo got that yellow card. He wa- he he in particular was very afraid of even getting anywhere close to Grealish. Um, and then we left a lot of spaces in the middle of the ground, or uh, you know, you know how Kevin de Bruyne would is so good with his crossing and he sometimes almost like uses the overlapping player as a decoy. Uh, He did that to very good effect and if you you remember the cross that he put in for Haaland is like testimony to that. First half was a proper domination and uh, uh, well city teams are used to doing that so I think they were very comfortable uh, doing that with uh, a united team who are still learning.
2: Like you're talking of the, high, of the high press, right? And I thought that United were trying to shield uh, uh, you know, the ball from the centre-backs going into midfield. So we were kind of leaving the wide spaces a bit open and trying to clog the middle of the pitch. But City very easily went around us because our press wasn't there. One more thing was the centre-backs were running scot-free. I mean, Rash was just trying to cut off one channel. But what was happening was the centre-back was just running up the pitch creating an extra man Uh, and it was just putting all our plans out of the window and given our intensity wasn't there, we never were able to catch up.
1: I think overall this was a bit of a reality check. Um, I mean, there was a lot of positive vibes around United and rightly so. I think they've done, I think a lot better than people may have expected uh, given how the summer went. But this is a reality check on the level difference between the top of the league and the rest of the league. Um, There were some tactical issues, of course, like pressing, probably not the most intelligent pressing that they could have done and the worst team to do it against. Um, They literally showed that they were a level up. The scoreline didn't, I think, show the actual uh, level that City were at because of the three goals they conceded. But in an attacking sense, I mean, okay, all the tactical stuff aside, you have to just take a step back and just... Be in awe of this city attack. That the timing and the commitment that they have to those forward runs, and uh, the the player on the ball knows who's making the runs and where to put the ball. It is a pleasure to watch. And as a Liverpool fan who's been a rival to this City team, it was just awe inspiring to watch. And I'm scared for anybody else in this league at the moment.
0: It's it's a testimony to Holland's status in this league that Foden had a hat trick as a local boy in the Manchester derby and. He's significantly playing the second fiddle. In fact, uh, this is the third instance of um, a double hat-trick, I mean, two hat-tricks in one Premier League game. Um, and the previous two were both against the same opposition. So, United has faced it uh, once and a separate team has faced it twice.
2: Can you guess who that is? We'll need to think back a lot for that.
0: I'm
1: just going to venture a guess given they get dropped 8 nil, 9 nil every year. Is it Southampton?
0: Yep, so it is Southampton. So Leicester has done it once against them and uh, I think
2: uh, Arsenal has also done it against them once. But uh, talking of uh, hat-trick man, right? Haaland, before the game, it was all about how Martinez had done well against him supposedly uh, in a Champions League game last year. What was interesting about Haaland's approach was I I don't think we ever got to see Haaland versus Martinez. That was how clever Haaland was. Uh, like, uh, he was actually making runs from deep, like uh, in, in the previous games. That is something that we have not seen that often. He was dropping a bit deep and trying to, you know, uh, uh, you know, run at the defense. And he was targeting Varan and Dallo once, especially once Dallo got the yellow card. He was on that side more. So that was that was a you know very uh, significant uh, thing which Holland uh, did in that game. And of course, he is so clinical every chance he gets, it's almost like in the back of
1: the net. I felt that he was balancing himself around both the centre-backs. I think there was a definite approach difference in uh, Martinez in this game. So, typically, till now in the season, he's been really tight to the striker and uh, trying to almost like push them and pressure them into a point that he can get his foot in front. I think very wisely, he decided not to do that because Haaland is just... I don't know what has happened in the past and all those videos are doing... I think they all count for squat right now with this Haaland. But... If he had done that to this Haaland in this form with his physicality, I think they would have really been embarrassed a bit further. So I think he did the right thing. The problem, I think, was that Haaland was commanding the line that Manchester United held. They were far too deep. And, and they were taking two steps off behind him. So, th- they were giving him a chance to turn on the edge of the box rather than maybe 20 yards in front of goal. So, that's where it kind of went off plan. But uh, I think they did the right thing. Staying two steps off him is the right way to manage him. You can't stick to him. But uh, yeah, it just went off in all directions, I think.
0: If you get an impression of him seeing all these tweets and everything that he's this brute he's this mean machine etc etc it doesn't capture his intelligence as you've been talking about he's it's he's not just a brute who's just steamrolling through the defenses he's a very clever player as well and probably cleverer than his age would uh, attest to
2: yeah talking of game intelligence just just a point before we move on I think uh, Bruno Fernandes and like Ericsson had a very poor game unable to control the flow of the game defensively and I think when the tide turns, Bruno's game intelligence needs to improve a lot because what he was essentially doing was when Rashford lost the press, he was uh, you know pressing up on the center backs and it was just creating a big hole between the midfield and the defensive line, which was as Radha explained, is already a bit too deep. And then Bruno go- goes up and presses the uh, you know uh, the City defensive line, and it just creates a problem. And this is something that he repeatedly does. It's it's very important for him to understand tactically. And sometimes hold the you know hold the sinking ship.
3: Maybe maybe R K he shouldn't have uh, he shouldn't have had that interview where he revealed his trade secrets and he said that you know he he basically revealed how he plays. Uh,
0: moving on, uh, I mean uh, we've had City decimate so many opponents, but surprisingly they're still only second in the league. Because top of the table is a team from London, which is unfortunately not mine. Ab's obviously gone to London to try and fix that this weekend. Let's see how he manages to do that. But Arsenal are still top of the league after having a successful derby win against uh, Spurs. And uh, Arsenal were clearly the dominant team in this game. And Spurs were too, how should I say this, flat. Uh, Not very endeavouring in terms of trying to... Make use of the riches in terms of the attacking power that they have. It, to the extent that the All Stars Southern 11 was basically the Spurs uh, front three, but nothing uh, came off for them. Yeah, I think
1: um, before, I mean, I'll just address uh, Spurs were pretty bad. Uh, they have been bad quite often this season. I think in Europe in the midweek as well, they were pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, just going straight to Arsenal, um, I think I was on for two games this weekend. I was on a chat group, and the word that I used a lot was control. Um, so for me, Arsenal, except for a small period of time towards the end of the first half, they were in. They were in total control of the game. And that's not something that I've associated with Arsenal in the past. And I've just finished watching the documentary as well, the, the Arsenal documentary. So I'm I'm like now seeing a lot of the the things behind the scene. And uh, I think Xhaka is a great story for them. I think we had all, I had written him off when he comes off the ground, cupping his ears to the their home fans. I think that's the end of someone's career. The fact that he's now probably playing his best football for Arsenal and you're seeing all the positive, you have time to see the positive
2: traits of the football. Yeah. Yeah and Swag you were talking of uh, the Southern Levin and uh, one of the talking points while we got probably the front line wrong one of the talking points that we had on the group after was between Loris and uh, and Ramsdale I think I think Ramsdale won that uh, uh, you know that contest hands down I felt was at fault for the second goal and you know you could see the distribution difference between the two keepers Uh, I was reading that uh, Loris, whenever he kicked long, he got only four out of fifteen long passes right. Uh, whereas uh, you know Ramsdale got seven out of eleven, and it's it's a known fact about Ramsdale that that's his plus point. I think uh, in that uh, you know ongoing debate of who the best goalkeeper in the south is, Ramsdale got some brownie points in that game. The the one
3: thing that feels very different about Arsenal this time around is that they seem like a much more mature team. Uh, like the Arsenal of, of before would have just combed after you know the other team had equalised, and that did not feel the case this time around. Um, uh, and I think credit has to be given to Arteta for that, for uh, inculcating that behaviour into the squad as well. Uh, for me, one of the one of the most improved players uh, uh, has been Granit Xhaka. He's, he's been he's been contributing with goals and assists, and that's a side of Xhaka that I, I mean. We are not very used to seeing like it's usually you know a my way or highway and get the red card and like uh, 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 you know clash with the fans. Um, so I think that's 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 a really encouraging thing to see. Um, Arsenal have had a decent
2: run of games. I think their next game is probably going to be the
3: most difficult game of all. Even though Liverpool are not at least league-wise, they're not at the form that
0: they are used to. Yeah, and um, just adding to this Arsenal love, um, I think um, Zaka scoring goals and adding assists is something that DSK called out a few weeks ago that he would be a good bet for a fantasy team considering what he's been uh, providing this season. But also the fact that Partey and Zaka are the oldest members of the Arsenal squad at 30 and 29. And most of the others are... 20 to 25 including the new stars of the season like Jesus and Saliba etc so um, I think uh, Edu also needs a pat on the back for what he's done in terms of the project because I remember I think a couple of years ago we laughed quite a lot Uh, there was a lot of banter about the seven signings that they did which were wide uh, uh, Nuno, Tavares etc and they spent a decent amount of money on these guys and at that point of time you we think, thinking yeah okay does this make sense we didn't think so but I think they had an overarching plan uh, for what they wanted these guys to do and that's finally coming to fruition now
1: yeah I would just recommend to everybody uh, watch the documentary RK I'm not sure have you watched the documentary
2: yeah I have watched a few uh, I think the first 3-4 episodes when Arun was watching it not watched the complete
1: yeah, so, uh, The reason I ask you is because I think we were both co-doubters in Arteta, uh, uh, like for a long time. Um, some of the things, ex- especially the Young episode and um, I think the sheer level of demands that he places on players, process, people keep talking about the trust the process thing but there is something there, is something there that even when they were not winning he was uh, talking the same language behind the scenes like trust the process that kind of stuff and it seems to have maybe taken a year and a half longer than a lot of people would have expected but it is definitely an eye-opening watch I would recommend it to all he our is, listeners he is
3: quite a drama he is, a, he is quite a drama like, like even if you even, even if you don't follow football I think you should just watch the documentary just because of Mikel Arteta
2: I think, I think Arteta comes out as a very you know genuine guy in the way he interacts with the players and you know you can buy into or at least back him as a leader if you know someone is that genuine but yeah talking of Arteta, I think one of the interesting things that he's showing is he's also tactically very flexible he generally employs the narrow fullbacks in this season but uh, in the second half we saw Ben White I think he was part of uh, you know one or two goals going on the outside and uh, like I I don't think we should pass any uh, conversation of this game without mentioning Saliba probably one of the players of the game He's the you know keeps being the more aggressive centre back goes and wins the ball high up the pitch very good uh, he is one of the best centre backs this season in passing as well as ball carrying and he is a threat on attacking set pieces in the in the opposition box as well so we have talked about Saliba in the past but he he was a standout performer in this game yeah let's see
0: how this uh, pans out for Arsenal uh, the signs are good but uh, they still have a couple of tough tests left in terms of Liverpool and uh, City still to come the city arsenal game will have a lot riding on it obviously so let's let's see let's have the popcorn and see where uh, that ends up but uh, having talked about the top of the table uh, if we talk about uh, the other end so we've uh, we had leicester versus forest and it was 19th versus 20th that wasn't the position that we were expecting these teams to be at the start of the season by this stage but that's where we were and uh, Leicester emphatically put a full stop not a full stop but a semicolon at least to all the doubters including us uh, in terms of uh, where they would end up granted it was against a Forest team which is it, by itself not doing very well but uh, yeah much needed respite for Rogers and his men
1: much needed respite but I'm not buying any of this yet um, the goals were quite Screamer-ish. Um, you're not going to replicate that on a week weekly basis. And Forest had the chance to score first and they hit the post. And they had another really good chance one-on-one. So, Awonye uh, had two one-on-ones and ended up missing. So, yeah, I am not fully convinced. Uh, the XG also, I think, was neck and neck between the two teams. It's just that uh, the finishes from Leicester were through the roof. Um, so, yeah, I am not buying the hype yet. And, yeah, and at the end of the day, it was still Nottingham Forest. It was not a... Uh, a team that you would take very seriously. So, yeah, I'm. I think Brendan is still. I mean, you you can't say given what has happened this season with coaches already, but I think Brendan would be uh, in the top three or top two to get sacked next.
3: Yeah, I think Cooper Steve Cooper was also very close to the sack, at least <laughs> as per the as per the clickbaity article that I shared in the group. Uh, and interestingly enough, Rafa Benitez is. is uh in that article it mentioned that Rafa Benitez is linked to uh, to Forrest. Um so yeah it'll it'll be great to see uh, two failed Liverpool managers to uh take their team down.
1: I don't think Steve Co I don't think he was a Liverpool manager but uh, but yeah no
3: I mean like Rafa Benitez and Brendan Rodgers.
1: ah okay okay got it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah but uh, having having read that clickbaity article and all of us having believed him, uh, considering the plight that Forrest found themselves in. It was very funny to today end up seeing a long-term contract being announced. And on the WhatsApp group, I could just see the beginning of the tweet which said, Nottingham Forest is pleased to announce. I was like, this is the weirdest text for a sacking ever. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Me, I I like,
1: <laughs> Ashwin, Ashwin with his uh, uh, trigger-happy nature told us that he's going to get sacked soon. And I see this tweet and I'm like, wait, are they really saying they're happy? What, what's happening? And then he signed a new contract man never trust Ashwin
0: yeah another team that uh, we had uh, set for the drop slash their manager set for the uh, for, for for the sack was Everton and uh, super Frankie Lampard seems to be surviving and thriving amazingly Everton is the meanest defence in the Premier League this season so far least goals conceded and, and Lampard has turned
2: the tables on Hassan Huttel it seems now all the talk is about Hassan Huttel getting fired next
0: Correct, and I think Hassan, Hassan Hotel is is something like Schrodinger's cat. Is is he safe? Is he unsafe? He keeps he, he keeps moving between these two states. He's he's never permanently in in either of them. He he never seems secure enough, and he never seems unsafe enough. There's there's always a bit of doubt whenever you think of him either way.
2: Yeah, just just using the pun of all those nine nil defeats, cat with nine lives.
1: Again, just. Uh... Just a bit of myth-busting though. Uh, again, uh, meanest defence. Seven goals conceded, that's right. But they're fifth from bottom on XG against. So, this is a bit of a statistical anomaly. Uh, given an average season, they would be in the bottom three in terms of goals against. So, wouldn't read too much into that
0: either. Is this the Liverpool fan stating facts about Everton? Because both the the Merseyside teams are on 10 points. Is that... Why you forget no, no. that Radha
1: loves Everton? <laughs> no, no, I'm, 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 I'm not saying that they're, they're actually doing well. They're winning games. That's what matters. But I don't think their defense is very mean.
0: Yeah, I think uh, on, on, to that point, I think last season we, ha- when we had uh, wolves, who I, I think we can probably move to wolves next because they've obviously parted ways with uh, Bruno Lag. But uh, last season when they were overperforming, they were overperforming the defense as well. And that's what has probably come home to roost this season for them. Apart from the fact that they're still finding it troublesome to score goals. So, probably that's what's linked to Everton this season as well. And they would m- probably need to make sure that they don't fall into the same trap when it comes uh,
2: to next season. Yeah, talking of Wolves' opponents, West Ham, I, we were talking a lot about why he's not uh, starting his main players. Uh, finally, gave a start to Corne and Skamaka and got the points. So West uh, West Ham slightly looking up right now. I think the next player uh, who is impressing in Europa but not playing in Premier League is Downs. So let's see whether he gets a chance.
1: Yeah and Jared Bowen I think was a good one. Uh, he's been off colour after a real breakout season last year. He was superb uh, all through the game. I think he sh- he could have had two maybe three goal involvements during the game ended up scoring as well so that uh, he had a really good game probably the best player for West Ham on the pitch
0: Moyes has struggled with his trusted lieutenants not uh, performing this season so far in in the shape of Bowen and Antonio etc so hopefully this uh, spurs them on to better things Uh, we will keep an eye out on that uh, that concludes the first part in the second part we'll uh, cast an eye towards uh, some of the struggling bigger names in the premier league uh, and what they've gotten up to in the last week or so oh, welcome back and in part two we're starting off with uh, liverpool who unnaturally or probably naturally for this season struggled to get a point against brighton went back uh, 2-0 and had to come back but then couldn't hang on to the win and um, dropped a couple more points they're already uh, 11 points behind arsenal at this stage which is not a good look radhaji uh, what are your thoughts on this any prognosis being offered
1: yeah, I mean, it's happening too often now to just write off. Uh, there is a serious mental um, um, mental issue uh, that's, that's plaguing us this season. Uh, the slow starts are now just inexplicable. We're not able to figure out how this is happening with different personnel. It's clearly a mental thing. Uh, you can see the confidence lacking when we went 3-2 up. We kind of just ended the game there. Uh, We went 2-0 down. It was a terrible game uh, from Liverpool, honestly. The start was horrible. Tactically, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, It was almost a fluke that we figured it out and managed to keep them quiet for say 45-50 minutes where we got three goals. Uh, but then again, we lost control completely. So I mentioned earlier in the episode that control was the, me- message, uh, was the word that I was talking about a lot in two different matches. One was Arsenal where they had it and the other was in Liverpool where they did not have it. So they were just completely all over the place. And um, now it's becoming a little scary. Uh, I don't think this is going to be... Uh, one-off thing that we can keep sweeping under the carpet
2: we have also talked about the individual form dropping and spec- and that is very stark for me in case of Alexander-Arnold and Van Dijk uh, both of them uh, I think uh, had individual mistakes in all the three goals uh, Arnold in the first couple of goals maybe and all the goals I think coming down that side and you could see on the third goal that you know Van Dyke missed the kick itself so I think Van Dyke's form is a bit worrying for me as an observer. Uh, it was also what I f- uh, uh, like found a bit funny was in the Rangers game when uh, Alexander-Arnold scored the free kick. The commentator uh, was like, and Alexander-Arnold answers his critics in style. i <laughs> you score a free kick and how-, how can you answer the critics, you know, on the defensive side like DSK? So.
1: I would add, for me, the most concerning two people are van dyke and Fabinho. trent is at the end of the day out of position because he's meant to be in a certain part of the pitch i'm less worried about his positional awareness there are one on ones that he's losing that is of course a concern but that i think those those i think every player will have and and come out of what i'm really concerned about is van dyke missing Basic, like these are basic errors like the penalty against in the first game of the season against Mitrovic and this one it went through his legs these are not things that you associate with Van Dyke. you associate this with like mortal players not with like, you know players who have been that good for so long in their career so that's the biggest worry for me and Fabinho Uh, Fabinho as well in all the games that we've been poor I think both have been poor together Uh, they're missing key one-on-one duels that they have never missed in their career. That's the big concern. I am not as worried about Trent and probably the reason why the commentator said, of course it's sensationalism at its best, but the reason why the commentator said that is the biggest concern about Trent for me this season has been his attacking output. I'm not really going to ha- like hang the hopes of our season on Trent's defensive output um,
0: but rather I have a question I mean maybe you uh, know about this is van Dijk underperforming for the Netherlands as well uh, or is this f- for this season or has this just been uh... At at Liverpool and also uh, is Salah's form a bit concerning to you because he's obviously dropped in terms of uh, the goals output definitely and with Nunes not firing as initially expected obviously now we're talking about okay he's he's still got stuff to learn and that's that's what's coming out of uh, Melwood but uh, that's that statement aside then Salah would again need to be spearheading the attack and that's not happened yet so is that a bit of a concern?
1: So let's start with Van Dijk. I think I was in my personal chats with other Liverpool fans right from last season talking about how I don't think Van Dijk is at the level that he was pre-injury. Uh, it just so happened that a L- Van Dijk at eight on ten was good enough to be the best defender in the league. That that has probably now s- gone down to six on ten or six and a half on ten, right? So, and uh, that's that's worrying for sure. Um, I, I don't think he is doing any better for the Netherlands, though I would say that both at Netherlands and at Liverpool, he is the leader uh, amongst the back five. Like he's the undisputed leader and he's the captain of Netherlands as well. So I don't think. Um, um the scrutiny is as bad at netherlands as it is for uh, for liverpool and also i had to cut him some slack he is playing in a team that is completely devoid of confidence and there is anything that can go wrong is going wrong at the moment for liverpool at the back so i will like to i would like to cut him a bit of slack but i have felt for the last almost 18 months that van dijk has not been Uh, ...at the level that he was pre-injury. Coming to Salah, it's a difficult one to answer. Uh, If you guys remember, pre-AFCON, I think he was by far the best player in the world. His numbers were backing him up, his style of play was backing him up. He was the best player in the world over Benzema at the time. After he came back from AFCON, it was a totally different story. I think his output, while respectable for any normal player... Uh, I think he had 8 goals in 20 games or something, which is for a winger not bad at all. But for Salah, it's not great. And um, that has uh, there was a clear drop-off in physicality, which was very clear from the Champions League final. He was not at his sharpest for probably the last third of the season. Mental and physical fatigue for sure plays a part. This season, while that is still the case, he is not beating... Three guys, four guys and putting it into the back of the net that he usually does. He's getting into a lot of uh, dangerous areas and his goal involvement is second only to Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne in the league. So I'm not as um, worried about Salah as I am about Fabinho and Virgil van Dijk. And he is underperforming XG which is like unheard of for him. So I think there will be a time where Salah uh, corrects that stat in his favour.
0: Yeah, just an unrelated stat uh, there. Since you mentioned XG, um, and and Salah is underperforming. That, Holland. I know we're talking about Liverpool, but Holland is has scored double the number of goals of his XG. So his XG is 7.8, and his goals are 14. So that's that's just a freakish season that he's been having. Anyway, uh, so okay, so Salah is probably still off the boil, and Van Dyke is uh, not doing as well as you would have expected but probably there is uh, an underlying reason in his uh, struggle uh, to come back from his injury but uh, in terms of brighton i think we still need to give them a bit of credit uh, they've had a change of uh, manager they've come to anfield they've taken the lead they in in the first half of the game they they completely uh, took control and They they, they were leading and it was was a very solid performance. I mean, you don't expect a team which is not an elite team to go through such an upheaval in terms of a manager who's been their stable person for such a long time and still to be able to, I mean, I honestly wrote them off. I took off Sanchez and Dunk from my fantasy team and said, okay, now this is done. They're not going to be doing anything justified for the game because they ended up conceding three but yeah still uh, deserves a bit of credit and they're still in the top six so credit where it's due
1: so i would say justified for the rest of the season as well swag because i had no idea about deserve um, i haven't followed his career much but whatever i read up about him he is a death by chaos kind of manager so uh, he will there have been plenty of debates about uh, whether he can get beat 6-0 or can win 6-0 and they both kind of have an equal um, chance of happening. So, he's going to be exciting for sure and he's going to take uh, Graham Potter's attacking uh, style of play forward for sure but there is uh, definite question marks about the chaos that he creates within his own team. So, I think defensively, they're not going to be the best team to back um, in a fantasy league, for example. But yeah, should be exciting football to watch.
0: Yeah, so we've talked about uh, Brighton and... Um... Potter's uh, legacy being carried forward and Potter is actually busy trying to write the next chapter in his own legacy Um, and Chelsea travelled to Crystal Palace and uh, were able to come out winners at the end of the game 2-1 it was a late Conor Gallagher goal uh, which gave us the points and uh, he seemed uh, sheepish sheepish enough after after scoring because he has very fond memories of uh, Crystal Palace he was a key member of their team last season I would venture to say that uh, the reason they did not beat Chelsea in the FA Cup last uh, season was because Gallagher was ineligible and he was their go-to player the entire year. They tried to sign him permanently as well. That did not happen. He's not had a very good start to the season and now he got a chance. He, he took it. He scored a great goal. But uh, that game was a bit unconvincing in terms of Chelsea's performance. But then you came to midweek and Chelsea hosted Milan who are not a bad team at all, doing well in uh, Serie A. And Chelsea exceeded much more control uh, in in that game. So I think probably given time, Potter is starting to exert his own influence. He's uh, starting to exert his own systems. He's uh, bringing that play into it. But uh, it's still early days. Uh, We'll uh, have to keep an eye out on that.
2: Yeah, I think what's interesting for me about Potter is probably he's played four formations in, in these three games, right? I think he started out with a three-five-two, Sterling as a wing back. This game, I think it was kind of like some of those Leipzig formations where you see a 4-2-2-2 two, 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 and then he changed it to a four-three-three. Three, I thought uh, Sterling moved sides, and he's also able to play three-four-three, three, uh, right? I, uh, if I'm not wrong. Against Milan, I, I, if I'm not wrong, so he's already shown a tactical flexibility which Duschel uh, had, but he wasn't showing so often. Uh, but I think on attack, I would still uh, I'm uh, not too convinced by Chelsea. Uh, I think they scored three goals against Milan with an with an xG of 1.4. They scored two goals against Palace, as you said, with the uh, with the Gallagher beauty. They had an xG of only 1.1. So lot of work to do.
3: Yeah, I, I, I felt I felt that uh, if if you look at the performance that Chelsea had over the two games, like Palace and Milan were two completely different games. Uh, I think Chelsea dominated the the game against Milan. Uh, there was a point, I think it was just before the Wesley Fofana goal, that Thiago Silva got like a couple of headers and they could have scored then as well. So they were looking really menacing from the set pieces. Um, and then obviously when Fofana scored, it... it, it, it it never felt like Chelsea will lo- lose any points against them. I think uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Reece James as well. I think he he has proven why why he 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 selected ahead of uh, Trent Alexander Arnold in the in the England lineup. I think he's a much much more uh, well-rounded defender. I know rather won't agree to me on that, but like I I feel like Reece James is is showing what uh, like. Why he's
1: rated so highly? Yeah, you reminded me, and I had to uh, bring this uh, bring this point up. Um, I think uh, Gareth Southgate can just f- at the moment right now. So he's he's um, he's entitled to pick his own team. He's decided that Reese James is the right uh, the right person for him. Fair play, anybody can do that. But the kind of comments that came out during the international break that he's making about a young 23 year old right back who's clearly one of the best players in the world and has been one of the top attacking players in the league is embarrassing. Like if if you can't find a way to fit him in the team, fine. But to say things like he's got flaws in his game and he's there are, there are other people who are at a higher level than he has played. I don't see how this is helping. Maybe he's trying to take the pressure off because there's a lot of public pressure on why aren't you picking Trent and whatnot. And he's trying to go the, you know, be defensive and push back. But that is not the right way that you deal with one of the most talented players in the country. If you can't find a way to fit him in your team or fit a system that works where um, that's that's a totally separate thing. But the I, I found the comments that he made about Trent absolutely terrible and Klopp was answering questions about it for the entire week Uh, and during the Brighton game you could see that Trent was not the mistakes that he made for the for the goals were these are not mistakes that even he's not a great defender but these are like mistakes that are clearly there's something bothering him for sure so I I find I find Gareth Southgate's role in this entire thing Absolutely, I think, I think we'll he's a limited manager. He's yeah. gonna get sacked.
3: I think, I think, he can just... I think we'll, we'll probably probably not get to talk about Gareth Southgate much before the World Cup. Anyways, the way England are going, uh, as someone living in Ireland, uh, it was great to see. It was great to see England being relegated from the Nations League as well.
0: Yeah, I think it must have been really enjoyable for the Irish crowds to have. Uh... Not just England, but also Wales as well, uh, relegated from the top tier. So, I think all three nations are now in the same tier for the Nations League, right? For the for the next iteration. So, that'll be fun. I just hope that somehow at least two of them end up in the same group. That, that, that'll properly put the fireworks out. And uh, moving on to another Champions League game. Um, in slightly controversial circumstances, Inter beat Barcelona 1-0. And this was a key, key game. And uh, because Bayern is somehow expected to still top the group. So this this was going to be the group of death and one of these teams was going to drop into the Europa League. Uh, probably more than half of the footballing world in Europe was hoping that it would be Barca. And uh, this game probably puts that Uh, puts the wheels into motion on that plan. We'll obviously have to wait and see the return leg, but uh, uh, this is, uh, Barcelona is obviously Ashwin's favourite Spanish team. So, any thoughts on that, Ashwin?
3: Yeah, I mean, over Real Madrid for sure. Uh, But yeah, uh, uh, (laughs) I think uh, Barcelona are not uh, strangers to controversy. Usually, like a lot of fans would argue that uh, Barcelona have been on the um, uh, have been have been favored by UEFA and UEFA referees. This game was the other way around because there were, I think, if I'm not wrong, two handball decisions, uh, two clear cut penalties that were not that were not um, that were not given to Barcelona, and uh, Javi got a yellow card as well. Uh, I mean, I, I think any manager would at that point would have because uh the they were like blatant handballs. So um Inter did get their win. It it puts the group uh you know it it makes the group really tight. Uh there's a good chance that Barcelona would go into the Europa League. Um but I, I, I as a as if I were a Barcelona fan, which I, I am not, let me make that clear, especially after the Frankie de Jong situation.
2: Uh yeah, but, but how exciting would it be for United fans if Barcelona dropped into Europa League? Frankie de Jong plays Europa after avoiding United for <laughs> maybe think, that reason.
3: I think I think we should avoid that situation. I, I think the way Barcelona are going right now in La Liga, they will definitely beat United. So I wouldn't want that. <laughs> We've
0: started hearing some rumours about Conte and Juventus again. Uh, I don't know where they'll get the money if they can, but... Of course, Allegri hasn't been performing up to scratch. And if my maths is correct, and I hope for Cat's sake that it is, uh, uh, I think the maximum, assuming that PSG beats Juventus in the return leg, uh, which is a fair assumption given the forms of the teams at this point of time, Uwe can only go up to a maximum of 9 points. But Benfica having drawn with uh, PSG, they can easily go up to 10 uh, points. So if PSG beats UVA, UVA is potentially dropping into the Europa League right after the group stages, which would be a hugely embarrassing situation for them. Just before we move
1: on, uh, wanted to the the you talked about the group that uh, surprised you the most, and for me it's definitely Group B. I would have never seen this coming. Uh, Atletico, Porto, Club Bruges and Bayer Leverkusen. There are three European stalwarts in that group. And they're all on, like, they're all getting their ass handed to them by club Bruges. Three games and nine points um, for Bruges and Porto and Leverkusen and Atletico all on three points. I think they're pretty sorted to make it through to the next stage. I would have never seen this coming.
3: I think just one thing on Leverkusen though, they've been having a really bad uh, season uh, this time around. They're in the relegation spot. So, I'm not not surprised. uh, And I'm... I think uh, they've also now replaced their manager. Javi Alonso has come in, uh, which which I think was the impetus they need. Uh, they they've been having an absolute terrible season. The managerial career,
0: from what we've uh,
3: heard, right? He he
0: he, he coached the he... Sociedad's second team, and he took he he got them promoted. it would be nice to see what he can do with uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, who's on loan at Liverpool for the entire season.
1: I think. The Callum hudson O'Doy connection is less important than the connection he made when he was at Liverpool. His best friend in England was one Mikel Arteta. So, if his influence has rubbed off on him, then maybe he'll be drawing some hearts and brains, holding hands and walking together. Uh, yeah, lo- looking forward to what Leverkusen can do then.
0: Right. So, moving on, um, finally, we can talk about the upcoming uh, weekend and our talky game of the weekend is undoubtedly obviously Arsenal versus Liverpool. We've talked it up already and um, we're all looking forward to it. Can Liverpool stage a comeback? Can Arsenal keep this newfound grit going? What are your thoughts? What does it look like? First off, Mr. Liverpool himself, Radhaji. I am not looking forward to this game. There there has never been a time where I have looked forward
1: to playing Arsenal less than I do right now. Um... It's combined with them being the best in the best state that they could be, and us being as bad as perhaps we've been in a long time. So I'm not looking forward to this game at all. Um, it's at Emirates, so I don't know. Maybe Klopp brings out speakers and plays. I don't know what the hell they sing at Arsenal, but some, some, some maybe some crickets chirping in the silence, mm-hmm. perhaps. But uh, we could. I think we could get our ass handed to us this uh, this game. They've been better than us in every department. Uh, defensively is more concerning than uh, attacking-wise. So, I'm, I'm a little concerned. We have done well attacking-wise this season. We're, we're on par with Arsenal or even better in terms of generating chances. So, I think we will have chances but we've not been finishing that well and defensively we're a mess. So, yeah, I expect to lose this game and it's going to be a tough couple of weeks for us uh, going into arsenal and then city after that
3: i i i, I mean i'll probably say that it'll, it'll be a really good game to watch I, I i i this is liverpool we're talking about right like it's it's not it's not like uh, some team struggling in mid table even though liverpool were struggling in mid table for some time but uh, this is this is Jurgen Klopp this is that we are talking about tactically much better than Mikel Arteta some people would might not agree and uh, I I feel that Liverpool would be a mountain too 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 big to climb for Arsenal even though it's at Emirates Uh, defensively of course Arsenal have been much better they seem to be much more mature but we said the same thing about uh, when they played United as well and uh, what happened then so I feel that the Arsenal definitely have the momentum, but uh, I think uh, form is temporary, class is permanent. So I think Liverpool will probably uh, get the points here.
2: Yeah, I think Liverpool have Arsenal and City coming up. And uh, generally, fixtures such as this, you know, we have talked about the mental problems and the physical problems that Liverpool are, are going through. Uh, You know, when you have two such challenging games coming up that can actually, you know, bring the focus together. So, I I don't think it's going to be an easy game uh, for Arsenal, uh, especially after uh, the United, you know, the way that they suffered a reverse there. I I think it's going to be a very competitive game.
1: I agree, I think, Karke. I think on the group as well, um, I mentioned that... While between the two games, I think we will be better against City than we will be against Arsenal. Because we do generally tend to bring our level up against City. Arsenal, I don't know um, whether... I don't think... Even after all the stuff we've been through, I don't think we're going into the game as underdogs. And we always do against City. So, uh, that way, I think Klopp likes being the underdog. And he gets the team riled up and the energy levels up using that card. And I think that's the struggle that he's having this season where... um, we're not really getting that uh, us-against-the-world mentality and we start slow and all that. If we start well, start fast as a team that's uh, the plucky outsider, I think then we have a chance. But if we start like the way we've been starting this season, I think it's going to be carnage. Um, we may we may keep the, 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 the margin of defeat low, but I, I don't see us being able to beat Arsenal in this form at their home. So yeah, it's going to be tough for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. That's that's for sure. I don't think it's 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 going to be One team dominating any which way. In terms of what uh, he can bring out, uh, in terms of uh, speakers and stuff to make sure uh, that the team can listen to, maybe a couple of Saliba chants might do good to prepare for the game. That's the in thing right now for Arsenal. So maybe that's
3: it. I think Liverpool fans have just resorted to being pessimist and then trying to grind out wins. Like in the group, we have people like Rathor who would be like, uh, you know, uh, constantly pessimist, and then you'll find Liverpool scoring two or three goals. So it's, maybe that—that's what you're doing as well, rather.
1: See, I'm—I don't do all this jinx bullshit. I'm not an optim— I'm reasonably optimistic in general, and I'm not a pessimist by nature for sure. So no, not me. Uh, but also uh, on the other end, you United buggers are like with your with your. Uh, jinxing and banter. I don't want to hear your bullshit, especially what, when you were saying this is Liverpool we're talking about, right? All I could think of was Roy Keane saying this is Manchester United, we need a director football, blah, 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 blah. I no, could no, only think of not, that.
0: No, this, this is not Manchester United. This is Manchester United football club.
1: I'm
3: not... Yeah, exactly. In when when yeah, you pointing fingers to RK, but I'm definitely not into jinxing and i and some of the, comments, when some the comments that, that Roy, like... Roy Keane met, had like this time around, I like oh like I had my I had my head on my hands, like it was it was just embarrassing to hear.
1: Dude but that's 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 literally all I could think of when you were saying this is Liverpool we're talking about I could only think about all those united journalists and united uh, fanboys saying oh, this is Manchester United we need to be this we need to be that that was the only like line that was coming out of Roy Keane Gary Neville and all of them oh, I just thought of that Ashwin so please spare me your <laughs>
2: but but after months of you know hearing or growing sick of Radha waxing lyrical of Gabriel Jesus I think it'll be fun to watch Radha waxing lyrical about him after this game against Liverpool.
1: Oh yeah, like Arsenal as shit. I've always maintained Arsenal as shit. And Jesus can like go jump into a ditch. Like everything, everything is forgotten for this one weekend.
3: If Arsenal do win, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is to go on Ian Wright's TikTok page because the guy is so hilarious. I don't know if you've been following it, but the videos he's making are just... Just like top-notch content, so that's the first thing I'm gonna do with Arsenal.
0: Ashwin probably forgets that uh, TikTok is not that easily accessible for people living in India. Maybe, maybe Arsenal will uh, you know pull off a last-minute
2: win like what Thierry Andre did against Carragher on the quiz show
0: yeah i still have to see that entire video i've just seen the first answer it was so funny but i i i was in office sadly at that time so i'll i still i'll, I'll probably do that this weekend if if i can find some time off. on that surprisingly upbeat and harmonious note we'll bid you a fond uh, farewell and we'll see you again after this uh, game week and uh, hopefully we see an amazing game between Arsenal and Liverpool and we have loads of talking points from them. For the time being, for the panellists, very uh, appreciative of you jumping on this call uh, late night today and uh, we'll see you again soon. To our listeners, have a good night. Bye.